Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, with a full PA system, ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands, we have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at mosdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Mo's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some Mo's to someone because we cater to all needs a family-friendly atmosphere we have Colorado beers on tap all the games on the TVs it will blow your mind with amazing barbecue hey everybody welcome to the BSN Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage before we jump into the show I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners if you didn't know by now Total Beverage is delivering beer wine and liquor anywhere in the north metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie for a limited time Total Beverage is offering $10 off a $50 purchase on their website and app. Use promo code BSN10 to save $10 off a $50 purchase for all your parties and have it delivered straight to your door. Let's jump into the show. Welcome into the Avalanche BSN Avalanche. Yeah, sure. Why not? Podcast presented by Total Beverage. I'm Nathan Rudolph. He's AJ Hayfley. We've already talked about goalies. We've already talked about defense. Today, we're going to be talking about the best wingers in the NHL. And these lists are going to be a little bit longer because it turns out there's a lot of elite wingers in the NHL. AJ, how are you? How's your Thursday going? I'm good, man. Uh, My Thursday has actually been a little awkward uh, to start with. Uh, I was going to go to the gym today just because I had the extra time this morning. And I woke up and I felt like death, like like I'd been hit with the plague. Uh, and so I went and I took like a 40-minute nap. And then I felt like a million bucks and decided I was going to cook lasagna for lunch. And I was going to make lasagna for the roommates and it was going to be a whole thing. And uh, then it went horribly and I ended up just throwing it away and ordering a sandwich from Jimmy John's. <laughs> so it's been a really interesting day so far. Yeah, that's... Uh... Sounds like a day, but hey, you're still yeah. kicking at least. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you know, you win some, you lose some. Tomorrow's going to be amazing. It's Friday. Fire Emblem comes out. We've got the BSM bar crawl. Saturday, we've got the draft and then Fire Emblem, more Fire Emblem. Yeah, are you even going to sleep this weekend? <laughs> I don't know. Given Mar- last week was Marvel Ultimate Alliance and this weekend is Fire Emblem, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, my Switch went from just sort of sitting there looking at me like, why do you neglect me like this too? All right, now we're besties <laughs> on 24 <24/7. laughs> seven. Yeah, pretty much man. 
So got to keep those Joy-Cons nice and charged. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Got to be ready for anything. I've never actually played any of the Fire Emblem games, so... And I am so excited because there's not a bad iteration in the series. Yeah. Uh, I've never played a bad Fire Emblem game. They only come out once every handful of years. Uh, It's probably been four or five years since the last one came out. And this one's coming out on the Switch. It's a console one. And it's, it's historically come out on handhelds, although the Switch is sort of a handheld, so it's not really that much of a change. And it's three games in all in one, you know, it's, it's called three houses and it's all about, you get to play three, three fully fleshed out storylines in one game. And they've done that in previous games, but they charged you for each additional campaign. So, you know, it ended up being like a hundred dollar game, which yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but this one is, uh, it's all three right off the top. You don't have to pay for a bunch of extra silliness and, I'm ready. I'm dude. I'm super ready to get down on it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. I, I love old school turn based RPG games, uh, and then the the strategy element that goes that that defines Fire Emblem is, is it's awesome. Like I I love the the rich story, and then you go into the combat, and it's a combat system I really like because I can I can kind of engage it at my own pace. the The thing with a lot of the modern day games and the the live action combat. Uh, like the Tales series, for example, you know, Tales of Vesperia and all those games, the, which are also amazing. Uh, but it's just every time you go into combat, you have to be a lot more engaged because it's all quick and it's all lightning fast combos and blah, 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 blah. That's that's really fun in its own right when I want to do it. But my default is just to ch- to, to kind of chill out and take things nice and slow and work my way through. So the, the turn-based combat of Fire Emblem, man, I am amped for it it's gonna be so awesome yeah it sounds like a good time i i've always enjoyed turn-based games but i don't play them as much as i should yeah i would say if you have a switch man uh definitely like strongly consider getting this bad boy because it's it's in terms of the amount of time you'll put into it because in the past each campaign takes me between 40 to 60 hours to beat nice knowing that there's three of them in here like this is going to be a time sink that i have all summer that's so, the dream right there <laughs> well and since i'm going on vacation in a couple of weeks i'm i'm like here we go this is it yep. this is it <laughs> gotta go <laughs> yeah i'm gonna play it on the airplane i'm gonna play it uh when i when i get to uh the girlfriend's place and she has to work yeah um during the day, you know, I'll just be sitting around playing Fire Emblem. Gotta play that Fire Emblem. It's gonna Perfect. be awesome, man. I'm and the turn based thing is really cool too. I I love that. I am old school that way in that I like the uh I prefer the old school turn based combat versus all the crazy really admittedly really cool stuff that they're doing with live action combat these days in, in RPGs. Yeah, it's it's nice to not have to be under pressure every second. <laughs> It, and that's really that's really a good way to put it is because you make one mistake and like oh god gotta go gotta go and do this again fight. yeah <laughs> uh, okay but with All like right. the like with the this this kind of turn base it's the same thing like it's yeah. uh it's it's very punishing especially sure. because the fire emblem system like when a character dies there's an option where the character is just dead Ooh. like. You can and you can choose to have that person come back at the at the end of battle, 
Sure. Uh, and then it's not just not a big deal uh, or it's a permanent thing. So it's it's very XCOM in that way, which, of course, I was also I'm also a huge <laughs> XCOM fan. Yeah. So uh, that's this sort of scratches the edge between XCOM and Fire Emblem. These those are the only like turn based uh, sort of strategy RPG games that I ever get to play. And they're both fantastic. So they're they're done at a really high level. It it's just I don't get to do it very often. There's not very many of them that come out. Yeah, for sure. This is this is now the turn based Avalanche podcast. So. I just bit my tongue too, so <laughs> my up and down day continues. <laughs> gotta gotta start using a turn based thing on your talking, I guess. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. All right, so let's jump into our, our list of the best wingers in the league here. This now one was a we, lot harder, man. It, it was. It, it, I, you know, I actually didn't have that hard of a time picking out a top 10, but there aren't nearly as big of gaps as, as some of the other lists that I had. Yeah, I had a really hard time getting it, uh, getting it down to 10 and then ordering it was like, yeah killing my children like it was because they're i didn't realize how many of these wings that i love watching play right until i sat down and started looking at the list and was like jesus yeah they're all so good (laughs) yeah absolutely all right i started at 10 with mark stone oh boy oh boy (laughs) <laughs> our lists are going to be way different. Yeah, I, I think the top will be the same again, like it's been. But I, I suspect 10 through 6 are going to be all over the map. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be wild. All right, so you have Mark Stone at uh, at 10. Yep, I, I have Mark Stone at 10. He's a really strong winger who has come from Ottawa where he was putting up over point per game numbers. He did not score as well in Vegas, but then was an absolute monster for them in their seventh playoff, seven playoff games. He's only 27. I know we're not really taking contract into it there, but he's still plenty young to to continue (laughs) producing at that type of level. And he's going to be playing with, with much better teammates over the next couple of years as well. I, I think he's really set up to to be an everyday type of producer at a point per game level, which there's about fifteen of those guys. I think there's probably five other guys you could have at ten, but mm-hmm. but I went with Stone. I, I like his goal scoring ability. I, I he doesn't rely on assists as much as some other guys on this list do, and I think that helps him. Uh yeah. I mean I have him also in my top 10, but... But, like, third? No, I have him at five. Okay, that's... that's but the elite defense is what elevated yeah. him for me because he's phenomenal defensively. And, ooh, now I just headbutted my microphone stand. Jesus, <laughs> dude. Get a hold of yourself. Seriously, man. I'm so <laughs> excited for Fire Rebel, but I'm falling apart. <laughs> Uh, with Stone, though, I I think that he's such an impact guy on both ends, yeah. and I think this is just a continuation of like where we've been, uh, where I'm valuing that all around play really highly. Sure. Uh, and he's he's I will say he is the only guy who's as L, as high as he is strictly because of that defense, because I think the offense is it's hard to separate with a lot of these guys. They all produce 
an insane amount, uh, you know, at, at a very, very high level. Yeah. Um, so with Stone at five, I at my he's five for me. And since we're talking about him now, this is fine. Yep. <laughs> uh, he's it's it's that he's also in his prime, and that he's such a contributor two way. That's why I had him elevated over some of these other guys. Yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable to put it in there. Uh, like I said, my especially my ten to six were all just like you're talking about splitting hairs to rank these guys. So. Yeah, it's it's not much at all one way or the other. Yeah, uh, my ten was Jonathan Uberdo. Yeah, he just just off the back of my list. Yeah, I cut old guys for younger guys when it was like okay, uh, so I cut Blake Wheeler, mm-hmm. um, who was the guy that I had there, and I was like, well, you know, Wheels has a more a longer track record of that level of success. He's done it the last couple of years, but. Uberdo is much much younger, and I think just getting going. Uh, I'm I'm a, I'm buying his stock. I think I think it's real. Uh, he he went from a 69 point season uh, two years ago to a 92 point season, and that top six in Florida is excellent. And so I think that it's just going to continue. Uh, I think I think he's the man, and uh. That's why I have him at 10, is that I think he's on the rise, and as a 26-year-old, uh, I had him ranked in here over guys that were in their 30s. Yeah, I I definitely went quite a bit younger with this list than I did for goalies and defensemen as well. I, I still yeah. think I, I, there's still some some age to it in spots, but, yeah. but definitely a lot of even low 20-age players that are going to be coming up in this list for me, so... Yeah, I, I think I have two guys over 30. Do I even have a second? I know I have one. Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's over 32. <laughs> so two. <laughs> okay, yes. But yeah, I, I do really like Huberto as well. I I gave me pause the guys who only put up one year so far. Yeah. I and, kind of knocked it down a little bit, but. And that's, that's what makes these evaluations interesting because I didn't worry about that. Cause I think it's just the beginning of what should be a nice career for him. Uh, and then you're valuing the guys who have done it a couple of times, which it, there's no right or wrong. Right. Like, right. It's different. <laughs> yeah. Especially when there are legitimately 15 to 20 guys that you could make strong arguments for being in the top 10. Yeah. It's. It's a fun position in the NHL. Wingers are, they do the good. (laughs) Definitely, man. All right, number nine. This is a spot that I struggled with. I went with David Posternock at nine. Yeah. And the reason I have him so low is because I'm still not sure how much of it is David Pasternak and how much of it is that absurd line that he got to play on this year. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I think Pasternak is a stud. 81 points in 66 games. Definitely. That's why he's in my top 10. But move him away from Bergeron, move him away from Marchand. What do you get? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a fair question. Um. You know, there were there were moments where I think he played smaller in the postseason than they were hoping from him. Yeah. Especially uh, when their power play basically disappeared in the cup finals. 
Yeah, it's... I mean... <laughs> He still put up 19 points in 24 games, yeah, which which is great. But I I don't disagree with you that he hasn't so been someone who they've really leaned on yet. He's just kind of been the younger guy in that that core of, mm-hmm. of their leaders, and it makes you wonder when the pressure's on, can he keep it up? Well, and he's he's excellent, but he's also uh, injured all the time. Yeah, that's very you true. Know. Only one year of 82 games, only two years of over even 75 games. Otherwise, he's battled injuries his whole career. He's missed significant time. And I'm not, you know, that that gives me concern. That gives me pause for for worry, and that's why he's not in my top 10. Yeah. Was because I, as good as he is, uh, he is not uh, availability. It's it, that that was my determining factor with him. Sure, was Absolutely. had he because had he played eighty games last year, he might have scored a hundred points and he'd be in this list easily. Right? <laughs> yeah, without without question. Yeah, and it's it's definitely fair. I, I've used the same argument in our other lists multiple times. The reason I didn't this time is because he's only twenty three. He's young enough that he the injuries should be recoverable for him as far as over the next five, six, seven years of his career, they shouldn't hamper him that much. But can he stay healthy is, is a completely legitimate question. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I love watching him play. If this was favorite wings that I like watching play, this list would look way, way, way different. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, he's one of my favorites, man. He's, he's amazing to watch, but uh, not in my top ten. That's totally fair. Who is your number nine then? Uh, it's Rantanen. Okay. I have I, him at eight. So I, I really struggled with where to put him because Same. of trying to separate him from McKinnon. Yeah. And is this, you know, oh, is, is this even worth doing? And <laughs> the answer was no. I looked at it. I'm like, look, he's put up back to back point per game seasons, back to back 80 point seasons. And he's 21 years old. The kid's elite. That's, I mean, it's basically the same conversation I had about Pasternak and, and his line. And then Rantanen adds on just a, a silly good playoff performance this year while he was hurt. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, he's just a beast. Uh, breaking the 30 goal barrier, especially this year, it's just the kid is insane. Yeah. He's a monster, man. <laughs> and at, at 22 years old, he's got he's got both uh, durability and production, uh, and and playoff performance. He's yeah. got the whole package. If we if we go back and we redo these lists in two years, I have I won't I would not be remotely surprised if Ranton ends in my top five. Yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, Especially if if he gets time away from McKinnon this year and just continues to produce like an animal, it's right. If he ends up next to Cadre and he's still an eighty five point guy, well then, <laughs> money in the bank. Yeah, then all this all this summer hype about Colorado and how they're gonna have they're gonna compete for the Central. Uh, you know the their their Vegas odds are super high. You know, the point projections came out and they had them as having a hundred point season and second in the West. Like if if Rantanen were to drop down next to Cadre and put up eighty five points, all that stuff's coming true coming true. I just yeah. bit my tongue again. <laughs> Dude. God. 
Uh, what do you like walk under a ladder today or Dude, what? I don't uh, I don't know what I have done to anger the gods but <laughs> my lord <laughs> all right well we better, better get these in quick then Ranson was my eight who is your eight uh Brad Marchand okay. all the reasons that you had uh David Posternock except Marchand produces more yeah I I uh I actually had Marchand at six um I really like Marshan's game just because of that pesty style, which I hate yep. when I play against him. But yep. when he's for your team, it's it's really that extra edge that that can win you games. And yeah. would prefer he doesn't lick anybody. But it, it's so weird, man. Uh, three, <laughs> but three straight eighty point seasons. He's also a great defender. Yep. Uh, and then this last year, put up a hundred point season, uh, four straight thirty goal years. Like the guy's a monster. Absolutely. And uh, the only reason I didn't have him higher is because uh, I think that the other guys on this list are either just better uh, or they're significantly younger. I guess I have three 30 plus year olds and with Marchand on, on here uh, who I oh, over, yeah. overlooked. He's 32, because, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, because he's five foot six. Um, uh, he, I, I just valued the other guys' uh, offensive upside moving forward a little bit more. Uh, and he was maybe the only guy that I punished because of age on this list, where I thought the skill levels between him and the next several guys on my list are very, very similar. Uh, but because he's 31. Be doing it for a decade, right? <laughs> right. Because he's 31 and he's not 22 or 23, then I, I dinged him ever so slightly. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. Um, I can tell you, real fun drinking game, watching Marchand play hockey and just wait for him to do anything dirty, and you'll you'll get pretty drunk. <laughs> but that was an attempt at a transition to talk about the official beer of BSN Denver and Breckenridge Brewery. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, most people's personal favorite, the world-famous avalanche. I've told all of you about it before, but they also have the strawberry sky, who AJ keeps raving about everywhere he goes. I saw him talking about it last night on Discord as well, and... That means that he loves it, and I'm sure you guys will, too. For you beer enthusiasts, they're calling it a lighthearted Kolsch ale. And for people who don't know what that means, it's that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. And trust me, it is delicious. <laughs> so look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer. And make sure you also look out for the Breckenridge event calendar on BSN Denver. I think there's still time to RSVP to the bar crawl on Friday. So get in there, RSVP, let us know you're coming, and come on down and drink some Breck beers with us. All righty. It's a long list. Let's do one more really quick here because I don't think I'll have much to say. My uh, number seven was Ovechkin. Uh, okay. I, I mean, he's a 50-goal scorer on the regular. I kind of the same deal you had with Marchand. I punished his age a little bit here, knocking him down the list. Just not sure how long he can keep up that, that ability. Uh, but he, I don't even think there's much of an argument to say he's the, the best winger of his generation and, and is still incredibly strong. 
Yeah, I have him uh, at two on my list. Okay, yeah. Because I, I put him that high. he scored 100 goals in the last two years in his 30s. He hasn't slowed down even a little bit. That 33-goal year that he had two years ago uh, was the largest like shooting anomaly of his career. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, each of his each of his last five years outside of that, he's um, his worst season was a forty nine goal season. And yeah. I don't I don't care about his assist numbers. That's not what Ovechkin does. It doesn't matter. Right. He scores goals at an elite level, and teams have to game plan around him, and it still doesn't work. It's he's in he's incredible and. I don't. I don't care that he's thirty three. He has shown zero aging, at all. His durability is incredible, healthy, yeah. uh, and he still plays that same obnoxious physical style. And uh, the, the guys, the guys, maybe the greatest goal scorer of all time. There's, there was no way I was having him lower than two on my list. Yeah, I. If we were doing strictly overall career. I wouldn't have any argument there. He'd probably be one. Yeah, he'd be <laughs> he'd be one through like three if we were doing overall career right. because he. Yeah, I mean, he's got a thousand games played and he has twelve hundred points. The yeah, guy's the guy's amazing. He's a, been a point per game guy his entire career, and his his worst goal scoring years have been in the thirties. He's yeah. he's unbelievable, man. He is. For my money, he's probably the greatest goal scorer ever, and he's certainly the greatest goal scorer that I'll probably ever see uh, in my lifetime. He's he's unbelievable, and he because he has not shown any signs of slowing down. The uh, he's the guy that I didn't punish for age because he's thirty three and he's still defying everything. He's he's just in a class of his own where I'm not I'm I'm just appreciating. He's a sure. 50 goal guy. I'm just getting out of my own way on this one and I'm just saying the guy's incredible. I'm not I'm not looking for reasons to ding him. I'm not looking for little pock marks. He's going to score all the goals. He's going to score more goals than all the other guys on this list next year and he's going to play 80 games and he's going to be among the the true forces, offensive forces in the game. Uh for me, he was he was number 2 with yeah. with belt on man he's easily yeah i think i probably punished him a little bit too much for things that haven't happened yet but i maybe i have a little bit of ptsd when i mean the second that he loses a half step on that shot and the turret position doesn't function anymore boy i don't know yeah and when that happens we'll see yeah it, it hasn't happened yet, so it, I, it's it hasn't, hard for me so. to argue against that. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't for me. And I mean, he's coming off of he he had forty nine goals and fifty one goals in the last two years. Uh, for me, me, I just nope. Yeah, yeah, I I totally get that. I I have worries, but to be honest, I probably should have ranked him higher. And and we'll go ahead and, and call it segment one there. This is kind of a longer one, but we have yeah. a whole 10 person list to get through. So this might be a bit of a longer episode, but we will come back with six through four or something like that in, in segment two. So catch you in a minute.
Tax debt is impeding the growth of millions of small businesses in the U.S. That's why Symbio Tax and Administration's goal is to enable small businesses and individuals to make informed and calculated decisions when it comes to their taxes. Symbio Tax provides small business owners with expert services in resolving tax liabilities and providing financial clarity. I would recommend, George, to anybody who has to deal with the IRS. His strengths and depth of knowledge make him really valuable. You know, over the course of years as a real estate broker, I've had the opportunity to talk with many different tax people. But the one thing I have found with George is he was very easy to work with. He was very articulate. Symbio Tax is experienced in preparing returns for all income levels, as well as securing penalty abatements and settlements for qualified individuals that sometimes save the taxpayer thousands. George was able to save us about $7,000, and of course, you know, being an independent real estate broker, $7,000 is a substantial amount of money, and it was really nice to get that dealt with. They offer free consultations, so be sure to check out SymbioTax.com for more information. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O. Second segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast here, talking the best wingers in the NHL. Our lists have already diverged pretty significantly, and besides two guys up near the top, I suspect that's going to continue. We got my number seven in Ovechkin, which AJ had at two. AJ, who do you have down here at seven? I have Gaudreau down here, uh, and this is where... Uh, I probably was overly harsh in punishing playoff performance. Um, but with Gaudreau, it, it wasn't just this year. Yeah. Is is really the issue. And coming off a 99-point season, that's what gets him into the top 10. Yep. He's amazing. Um, no no bones about that. Back-to-back 80-point uh, point seasons. He's had uh, three-point-per-game seasons in his career. Mm-hmm. The guy, the guy's a wizard with the puck. Uh, he's an outstanding player, but in his last two postseason appearances, he has three assists in nine games played, and so that moved him down uh, just a couple of spots on my list. Yeah, I, I had him at five, and I'm regretting putting him above Ovechkin. Now you've convinced me on that much at least. <laughs> uh, but that puck ability, he's. He's the type of a player that's a, a triple threat in the offensive zone. He can skate it, he can pass it, he can shoot it from anywhere, and he will burn you on the regular unless yeah. it's the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's a wizard, man. I mean he's incredible. Yeah, with the with the puck on his stick, he is he is something else. I mean he has to be given his size. He does not have a choice. Yeah, you're you're talking. I mean, generously listed at five nine, one hundred and sixty five pounds. He's right. He and not he's not a big guy at all, and he's he's short and slight. You know, he's not he's not like a stocky little guy that that can hold up physically. Not a he's a guy that <laughs> has to slip contact regularly to survive. Yeah, pretty much constantly, I would say, but. The thing I like that's the trend about his game is he's been shooting the puck more and in correlation has been scoring more goals and he just put up a 36 goal season, his second 30 goal year. And I think that's something he can do consistently. And when he moves into the goal scoring category, instead of banking on those big assist numbers, Mm -hmm. that's where he starts to separate from some of these guys. Once again, it's the goals are, are everything. Assists are great. 
some plenty of times assists make goals, but if you can finish, that's what makes you elite. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, his his playmaking ability. You look at a guy like uh, Elijah Lindholm, who had a nice career. Like he was okay in Carolina, like yeah. humming along as like a forty point guy, and then he shows up next to uh, next to Gaudreau, and he has a he has a career year. You know, point per game and makes a huge leap in goals, and it's like, well. I'm absolutely giving credit to Johnny Gaudreau for that. Sure. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, some also to Sean Monaghan. It's not all Gaudreau, but uh, that th- those guys, I think, really helped Lindholm take it to another level last year. And uh, Gaudreau is obviously, uh, you know, Monaghan's a, a very good player in his own right, uh, but Gaudreau is elite. And... Uh, I'm I'm actually excited to watch his his career play out, man, because he's so special. He's so much fun to watch. Yeah, but he yeah, does got to pick it up in the postseason if they're if if anybody's ever going to take them seriously. I don't think there's any argument there. It's one point in the postseason is just not going to cut it. It, it. Yeah, he's not. He's barely a half point per game player across his career in the postseason. It, well, and that point didn't even matter. Yeah, exactly. It's. And and it's not for lack of opportunity. He just couldn't finish yeah. at all. It, it uh, it's a tough thing because I love watching players like that. The, yeah. Their ability to just have that electricity and yeah. instead of building on fire is just amazing. But that high end puck skill is yeah. something else, man. But if you don't if if you don't have it in you to to face the music at the biggest stage. You know, and we don't we I don't want to definitively write him off. He had nine points in an 11 playoff games in his first ever go round in the postseason. So it's not like he's never shown it. It's just that, you know, it has we're, we're talking. He's got 20 whole games right. played in the NH yeah. in, in the postseason. He has 12 points, uh, but it's it's that he has three points in the last two times that Calgary has. Uh, made the playoffs and they haven't advanced and he's their best player. They, he has to be, he has to be the man in order yep. for them to move on. He has to be. And he got swallowed whole. Um, and, and even in doing this, I'm a, a small piece of me is regretting putting him over Marchand <laughs> because Marchand was amazing in the postseason. Yeah. And they true. had the same offensive. They had the same output. I, I I do regret that now, <laughs> but it is what it is. Gaudreau well, is my seven. I mean, this is exactly what happens when you're doing a top 10 instead of a top five. The, yeah. the back half of that top 10 is so you have your list and then you, you break everything down. You get different views and you're like, wait a minute. I got to switch all this around again. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Gaudreau was my five. We've already covered my six and my five now with with some of your picks. So who are your six? Who are your five? Let's let's get into this and, and get towards the top five here. Stone was my five. Uh, yeah, so we've oh, gone over right. him. Okay. Uh, but six was Mitch Marner. Okay. Yep. Where unbelievable high-end player. Yeah. Uh, just an, an absolutely insane, electrifying offensive talent. Um. 
First two years in the NHL, he had 60-point seasons. Uh, blows up into a 94-point season last year. Is is he going to be able to repeat 68 assists regularly? He's going to have to continue to play on that super stacked offense in Toronto uh, in order to, to keep that going, but he has the ability to. He's insane. Yeah. And an underwhelming postseason, just four points in seven games, but the year before he had nine points in seven games, so I'm not dinging him really that much. He's also he's also just 22. Yeah. And like with like with Miko, I think it this is just the beginning of an an a, an extremely promising career that that we could be talking about as Hall of Fame caliber if it continues the way it start it has started. Yeah, I I kept him off of my list because of those assist numbers, because of the fact that he's playing on just a silly stacked offense with the caveat that at the end of next season, he could easily be in my top five. So <laughs> more of a, like, cause if he goes back down to 60 points, then I look like I bought, I bit hard on this. <laughs> the same thing with Uber though. Right. Where but- if, if they drop down into 60 points, you're like great player, but not that caliber. But if both of them go out and they put up 90 points, then, hey, I look like I'm right on the ball. Exactly. It's it's I, I'm definitely a little bit more of a I'll believe it when I see it with Marner because of those assist numbers, especially it. And, and if you're if you're not if you're not aware, because uh, a lot of people, you know, when it comes to scoring, they they may not be like overly familiar, but 65 assist seasons aren't like. Yeah, those don't just happen. <laughs> right. Like they're they're not incredibly common. There were a handful of them last year. Uh now that now that scoring has like totally It's allowed now. <laughs> yeah, like gone gone crazy. But like sixty five or sixty five assist seasons are you know, not not super common. There's only been uh, only quote unquote there's only been 47 of them in the last 19 years. So, you know, you're you're talking about a little more than two per year. Right. So it's it's one of those, you know, the for him to for him to do that again is going to be difficult. And at 68, you know, he's tied with a whole bunch of guys uh for the 20, 21st most in that time in the last 20 years. If he'd have gotten one more, it would have been nice, and I'd have put him in my top 10. So, <laughs> And he would have he would have moved up into the teens with Yager, <laughs> um, who did it multiple times in the 2000s. But, like, 65 assist seasons, it's always been, like, one of those things that I've... I've I don't know why it's been 65, but my whole hockey watching life i've always kind of kept an eye on that number like 30 goal seasons you know 65 assist seasons like it's kind of like a benchmark for okay you're elite at this yeah and and if he does it again like i said i'll be in my top five but he's got to prove it for me and he'll be a great player regardless but is he that good maybe i mean off uh, the guy offensively is he's a fantastic talent and the big the big thing with him is that last year he had 94 points only 21 of those came on the power play yeah that's fair 
That's incredible. <laughs> because normally uh, you're talking 30, 40 power play points yeah. go into those big, robust offensive seasons. Yeah, usually, it, I mean, he, less than 20% of his, his production is on the power play, and that's that five-on-five five is, is absurd. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable production at 5-on-5. At five five. So, <sighs> yeah, he had 50 even strength assists last year. That's, that's a yeah. lot, man. That's yeah. a lot. So the high-end talent is really what, what has me buying hard on Marner. Uh, that's I was a huge fan of him in his draft year. I uh, I remember talking to Cole Hamilton about it, and uh, we were you know Marner, and I was like in love with Mitch Marner. And he was just like, "Ah, eh, another one of those small guys, those small skill guys that you like so much that bust all the time," which is very very true. It's just this is the era in which all those guys are amazing. <laughs> all those guys are amazing now. <laughs> Oh so, yeah. yeah. And then I have stone at five and we've talked about, yeah, him, yeah we did so. talk about stone. So I guess it's time to bust into the big guns a little bit here. I, I already ruined your top three by saying Ovi at seven, but yeah. we're not there yet. We're at four. Let's have you go first. So I don't steal your pick again. <laughs> okay. Uh, I've got Panarin here. Okay. Oh yeah, of course. Um, so do I. Well, well, there you go. Great minds in this one. <laughs> Once uh, we get into the top five. <laughs> he was an interesting one for me to place because the actual production isn't there. Um, You know, back-to-back 80-point seasons with Columbus, right? And then yeah. that's following two 70-point seasons in Chicago. So you're not talking about a guy that's put up the 90, 100-point years uh, that we've seen some of these other guys that I have behind him. You know, Goudreau yeah. and, and just had 99 points. Marner had 94. Uh, Marchand had 100 points. Uberdo had somewhere in the 90s. So all those guys outscored Panarin, but I also think that Panarin uh, has been playing with less talent in Columbus. Mm-hmm. And that's really why I had him as high as I did, is because I think he's an unbelievable offensive talent who has not been playing next to similarly talented players. You know, you look at, you know, Uberdo plays, he gets to play with Barkov. Ranton in yep. plays with um, McKinnon. McKinnon. Yep. You know, Marshawn is on that great Boston line. Goudreau does play next to Monaghan, who has like 530 goal seasons already in his career. You know, Marner, obviously, we just talked about, playing on next to an elite uh, uh, forward core in Toronto. Mark Stone is my fifth guy, and Mark Stone, similar production, honestly, to Panarin. But amazing defense is what elevated him there for me. And then the guys that I have ahead of Panarin are just in a different class of, of yeah. scorer. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with you. The, the thing that really sells me on Panarin is his ability to drive a line. Like you said, many of these wingers are usually playing alongside a center that, that is driving the line that they're on, and that is not Panarin. Panarin is the man. He's been the man on this Columbus team for the past two years. Yeah. If they want someone to carry the puck, it's him. If they want someone to shoot the puck, it's him. Yep. He just does, did everything for them. Now he gets to go to New York and, and do the same thing. And 
we'll it's see. Interesting that of the teams that were chasing him, he chose the one without the center. Yeah. <laughs> Because, uh, you know, had he signed with the Islanders, he'd get to play with Matt Barzal or, right. or you know, any of the number of other guys that they have there that they could have moved in that spot. Yep. He comes to Colorado, he plays next to Nathan McKinnon or at worst, Nazem Kadri. Right. But now he's going to go play next to Mika Zibanejad. And that's. He's still going to be the man. That's for sure. <laughs> an odd choice. You know, had he gone to Florida, he would have been next to Barkov. Or at yeah. worst, Trocheck. Like he would have been next to a I hell of a John. player either way, yeah. and that's nothing against. And I'm not trying to disparage uh, Mika Zibanejad, who had a very good year last year. It's just that Artemi Panarin is a different caliber of player, and in his time in Columbus, you know, he was not. It was not elite centers. You know, he he spent most of his time with Pierre-Luc Dubois, who's a great young player. But there's a difference between a 65-point player and a 95-point player. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's sometimes hard to break down wings and centers because you see so many of these these pairs or, or sometimes even trios in the NHL that you put them together and their production of everyone rises. Yeah. And you take them apart, and they're all still elite level players. But it's that little bit of extra that when they're together that that pushes it over. And Panarin yeah. has never really had that. Well, and when you talk about the ability to drive a line, you just look at his two most common line mates in Columbus, his two years there, and Dubois and Cam Atkinson. Yep. And all of them together, uh, they you know when he was with Dubois, they had a fifty six percent Corsi for percentage. Yep. When he was with Atkinson, it was 55.4. Those are elite, crazy high numbers. Yeah, you are controlling play. Right. Dubois without Panarin was at 48, and Atkinson without Panarin was at 43. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, let's be real. Atkinson was pretty much just a passenger on that line. You're right, and did exactly what he was asked to do on that line, which was just pour in goals. Right. They'll get him the puck, just be open, and they'll take care of the rest. And and that's that's a sign of a great player to me. Someone like Panarin yeah. who can take a guy who on his own isn't going to be a great player for you, but turn him into someone who is a valuable asset. And yeah. it's it's really just game changing. I'm not going to go into the ad, but <laughs> it, I, it is. And furthermore, if you look at the these numbers, the the goal four percentage numbers with Dubois sixty percent. With Atkinson, 58%. And without yep. uh, Dubois at 48% and Atkinson's at 50 Yeah. I mean, you're the, the numbers are astounding, though, the way that Panarin hard drove that line. And honestly, I am disappointed he chose to go to the Rangers where he's not going to have it. You know, he any of the other options, uh, Colorado, the Islanders, or the Panthers, and he would have had he would have had a high-level center a special center that he could have played next to. Yeah. And we, we might've gotten to see him go to a completely different level. Instead, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be Panarin and Kakao and Mika Zibanejad getting like, <laughs> like the most plum job ever. Yeah. 
That guy's got to be licking his chops right now. Like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. He's so mad that he's got three years left on his deal. Right. He's ready to get paid after a year with these yeah. guys. He's like, Zabana Jad again. Like, Zabana Jad a 74 point season last year. He took a big <laughs> leap. And so, if, if he continues to be that guy, if he takes another leap next to those two cats, get out. Right. That, uh, the yeah. green is rolling in at that point. <laughs> How easy was it for the Rangers to rebuild? Like, they did a great job controlling what they could control, but then they they trade for a number one guy and then overpay him in Truba. Yep. And then they convince Artemi Panarin in free agency, and they win Cabo Cacao. Yeah. It's, it's just like, okay... Well, Right. I mean, before this offseason, everyone was looking at the Rangers like, wow, they're doing a great job rebuilding quickly. Yeah. And then this offseason was just like the cap off. And it's like, now you're just cheating. Well, seriously. And and their ultra expensive blue line is only going to continue that way for two more years. And then yep. all that money falls back off and they can turn around and blow it on more defense. Yep. <laughs> Can we interest you in one Eric Johnson? Yeah, well, and like, <laughs> and then they they also Adam Fox is like, I want to play for the Rangers, and so yeah. he forces his way out of multiple organizations to get there. And and that's not an uncommon thing. There are lots of players that love to go to New York. Yeah, and it's just like <laughs> it must it must be nice to just exist and have players just flock to you because you because you're there you know you don't even have to be good like they didn't they they don't even have to be like oh well we're competitive right now or any of that they just show up and then when the player isn't as good they can just pawn them off to buffalo seriously because buffalo just wants well yeah, the fact that they ended up I won't back finish with, that. with VC is funny. We'll just say that. <laughs> it was it was an interesting bit of uh, karmic justice <laughs> for VC to end up there. Yep. All right. We're a little off topic, so we'll call that the end of segment two. We have the top three coming up, or at least what's left of it coming up. And mm-hmm. I'm interested to see who AJ left off the list, because one of these three guys I have isn't going to be there. <laughs> Interesting. But we'll see that in segment three in a minute here. Are you thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. And get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything, from the contractors to the design, while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or Facebook page, both at houselift.colorado.com, and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from 15 to 60 k more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. 
third and final segment of the BSN Avalanche podcast, talking wingers in the NHL. Before we get into our top three here, Sheldon Dries did sign with the Avalanche today for a one-year deal. I think it was 450k guaranteed, 375 in the minors, and 725 or 50 in the NHL. He was QO'd, so we knew a contract was coming. It's I don't know how much of a big deal it is. I think it's the perfect contract for a for a warm body press box type, if you're asking me. But what do you think, AJ? Uh, I sure hope he doesn't spend any time with the abs this year. Yeah. Uh, he showed he just couldn't hang last season. It was a hot start, and then it was 25 games of misery. Yeah. And I was not, to be honest, I wouldn't have brought him back at all. So, I mean, um, I don't disagree with that. I don't think he was terrible. I just, he was invisible. He, he had no impact. At, at some point, you gotta, you gotta raise the bar on what you want out of your fourth line. Right. And continuing to get by with, uh, well, I mean, he wasn't god awful, but, you know, Marc Andre Cliche couldn't score. <laughs> right. Gabe Bork couldn't score. Sheldon Dries couldn't score. Dominic Toninato couldn't score. Colorado's fourth lines have been inundated by guys who don't belong in the NHL for years. Uh, one of the reasons that I'm as excited as I am about that group this year is that that should not happen. Yeah, for sure. They should be deep enough. They went out and they got enough guys to push guys like Nieto and Calvert to that fourth line, which should make it a very dangerous and, and very exciting group. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, if Dries is, is playing in the NHL lineup without significant injuries, I think that's a problem. And even then, you could potentially be giving that position to a, to a different prospect. Yeah, there's no reason that Dries should be in there over Kamenev. <clears throat> yeah, I, if he's in there over Kamenev, uh, no thank you. <laughs> well, because right now they have 11 forwards signed with Kamenev and Ranton in to go. Kamenev is, is like, it's set up for him to be the 13th forward. Exactly. Then fine. Like, I don't love that, but I understand after the injury issues that you can't rely on him. And that's fine for me. Um, to have him as the 13th guy, he'll get in there eventually, but he needs to get in there then when there's an opportunity to. Exactly. Uh, not not call up Sheldon Dries and have him play out of position as the 4C, which he was not equipped for. Yeah, I, I no argument there for me. It, if he plays the whole year for the Eagles, I'd be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, and and honestly, between guys like uh, O'Connor and Cow and Bowers, calling Dries and, and obviously whatever's going to happen with A.J. Greer. Um, but Dries should be like sixth, seventh on that list of forward call-ups. And I'm yeah, worried I, that he won't be just because right. he got 40 games of the NHL I, last year. I, I agree with exactly that. I, I would love him to be sixth and seventh. I fear he might be second or third. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's the only downside of this for me is that... Um, is he just blocking people at the end of the day? Yeah, yeah, like he's he's just sort of in the way. But For again, sure. like this is this is kind of like the Lindholm thing the other yeah. last last week where it's like 
it goes to show you how much deeper they have gotten that we're not immediately like, oh, well, this guy will be in the NHL right away. Right. Yeah. I, it It's a good thing that he's not in the NHL right away. And I don't think it's the worst thing in the be. world if he has to play NHL games for you as an injury call up. It's just it's a little unnecessary, it feels like. Yeah. And and just because there are forty games doesn't mean they were a good forty games. And right. that's my that's my frustration is that it's yes. like, well, he's got NHL experience. It's like, yeah, but you also know what the ceiling is on that guy. You know it's not very high, you know it's not yeah. very good. So uh you, you gave him enough NHL rope to hang himself last year, and you're gonna you're gonna let him do it again. Yeah. All right. Yep. Well, that's the Avs news of the day, but we still have a, a couple of, of wingers to get to here. What is your number three, AJ? Because I, this, I suspect, will tell me which one isn't on your list. Patrick Kane. Okay. Kane was actually my number one, so. Uh, couldn't do it. Yeah. But understand why you did. Yeah. Um. It, it, with Kane, it's just sustained excellence. Yep. Uh, at a different, like I said last segment, the guys that I had in the top three were just on a different level. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. In terms that. of their, in terms of their ability to score, you know, with Ovechkin, it's the goal scoring is unbelievable. Uh, with Kane, it's that he has two hundred point seasons in the last four years. Uh, including two 40 goal seasons of his own. Uh, and then his, those other years that he didn't, he had 89 points and 76 points. He got the fat contract from Chicago and exploded. Yeah. And, and you get into that same conversation we had last segment about Panarin here. Kane is a winger that drives his line. Oh my gosh. Yes. So that's, that's... And like the big concern uh, for a lot of people and the thing that, uh, the big the the Dylan Strom haters like to point out is that he played next to Kane, right? And it's like, okay, well, if he can if he can produce at that level, then why is that a bad thing? It, it's not. It if he's Cam Atkinson is to Panarin is what Strom is to Kane, then that's great for Chicago, <laughs> right? Like they they get very very productive guy where they may otherwise not have gotten it. Right, you know, exactly. And then the argument, you know, for putting Kirby Doc there is all right, well, you put somebody that's actually really, really good there, and maybe it goes up even more. Maybe a monster line, yeah. But does does Kane go from a hundred and ten point guy to a hundred and thirty point guy? Because I don't think so. Yeah, maybe not. But I the guy I assume you have at number one, who I have at number two, I, I think it definitely benefits from that situation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Where it's like an elite player, but playing on an unbelievably stacked line, just absurd yeah, <laughs> yeah of talent. And it's just, and you're like, okay, well now the numbers have gotten totally out of control. Yeah. And, and we'll get to him in a second. Mm-hmm. My number three, which apparently you don't have on your list at all is Taylor hall. So hall, and I can um, definitely see an argument for him not being in the top five, but outside the top 10, ooh, I don't know about that. So this is my issue with Hall. Okay. He... Uh, 
last season's injury wasn't the first time. No, it was that he has sustained a serious injury. Yeah. Um. Even if even if you know you think it's cheating to go back early in his career, uh, with Edmonton, was always dinged up. Um, was always missing games. Even his time in New Jersey, uh, his MVP season, he missed six games. Yep. And, you know, six games isn't a ton. But he's played 82 games exactly once. Mm-hmm. And he only has three 70-game seasons outside of that in his career. Uh, last year, he was amazing in when all 33 healthy. games right. that he played. <laughs> yeah. And now you've, he's got to come back from another major injury. He's got a, you know, he's got an opportunity. I, for me, it's it's purely about health with Taylor Hall because when he plays, he's obviously a, a just a star. Yeah, but there's a lot of variance in that play too. The year, the the couple of years before uh, his MVP season, he was a fifty point guy for the Devils. And a, he had a 65-point season before that, and then a 38-point season before that, although that was in 53 games. So you're talking injuries and lack of production. Um, the 93-point season stands out as a Zach Parise-esque aberration in an otherwise great career. But if you run through his entire career, 40 points, 53, 50, 80, 38, 65, 53, 93, 37. You combine that, the the fact that his high end has been incredible. There's no doubt about that. But he just hasn't produced, man. Yeah. Like like flat out. And then you combine it with major injury. Uh I'm it's not that I'm like if Taylor Hall gets to the free agent market next summer. I'm going to be all all about Colorado. Go do it. Go do it. <laughs> absolutely go do it. But realistically, man, like the guy, he's always hurt. Yeah. And I, I'm his one MVP season was the only time he's ever scored 30 goals. The only time. You know, he had yeah. no 30 goal seasons outside of that. Right. It's I I agree with you on the injury front. For sure, uh, it is a legitimate concern, and that is a reason I could see knocking him down the list. I guess I'm kind of on the hook for Hall, like you have been on a couple other guys we talked about, like Marner. I, I really think that after his MVP season and what we saw from him when he was healthy this year, it, it's a, turning the corner a bit for him. He's shown that ability in the past with an 80 point season and things like that, and that was on an Edmund team that was just dreadful. And then they get mm-hmm. McDavid, and he gets kicked out of town. So he hasn't really had that yeah. super high-end talent either. It's a shame we didn't get to see Hall and McDavid. Yeah, right. Like it, honestly, it's dude. That would have been some silliness for sure. So that's where I'm at. Is is I really I'm buying into the the fact that I think he really is elite now when he's healthy. That if he can't stay healthy, then. I'll look really dumb for having him at three for sure. I don't think I don't think you look dumb. It's just a different valuation of the player. Mm, um, I I mean, if he doesn't stay healthy, or if he does stay healthy, I have faith in in my pick here. But if he's hurt all the time, then you just can't have him at three. See, and that's where we differ. Is that I don't have faith, even if he stays healthy. 
Yeah, uh, sure. I, I don't have faith that he's uh, more than like a 75-point guy. Yeah, so that just agree to disagree on that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, like he's got the, I think he has the ability to. It's just that we've only seen it tapped into on a consistent basis one time. Once, yeah. And, you know, and last year, like 37 points in 33 games, you're off to an amazing start. Yep. But at at the same time, 33 games played is like you missed a lot of season. Yeah. And, you know, I think also I think that he's about to get his best his best center ever. Right. And he was. Yeah. So it's dude, it's it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I don't have any issues with you having him on here, and you can easily argue that it was just an oversight on my part. Uh, but I, for me, I just think that his career has been overrated. I no, think totally. he's, I think he's been a better play driver than point producer. And when you look at all these guys that are on this list of mine, all of them are either coming off of uh, eighty or ninety point seasons, yeah. and almost all of them have done it multiple times. Whereas, like. Marner did it the one time, but it was his third NHL season and his first two years, he put up 61 and 69 points. So it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a crazy leap, especially given the talent around him um, and, and his age and his potential and blah, 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 blah. Maybe the only guy that I would feel like I, I would feel strongly that you could make an argument where I would take Hall over him would be Stone. Where you could say I'm overvaluing his defensive contributions, and his career has just not been good enough for me to have him as high, and that I'm leaning too hard into recency bias, and that's I would be okay with that too. Like you, that's a very solid cogent argument that I could say, hey, that's a great point. But if you go back in and you look at if you were to go player A, player B, and run through Hall and Stone seasons. I don't I don't know that off the top of your head you'd be able to figure out which guy was which, except yeah. with the ninety-six point season where he won the MVP. Right, right. <laughs> that's the only one that stands out that gives you the hint because otherwise their careers in terms of points are remarkably similar. And I do think that Hall is also very good defensively. But not but, Mark Stone. <laughs> but injuries. Yeah. All of that, all of that for me gets negated by the injuries where it's just he you just have to be around to play. And yeah. it seems like you know for every healthy season that that Hall has had, he's had one where he hasn't been. He's had one where he's played less than 70 games. Yeah. yeah. And that's for me man, I just think that that's a no-go. Yeah. I I think that's perfectly valid too. It, I've used the the same reasoning for not having a guy on a list plenty of times. It's injuries you're taking a risk if if you're buying on a guy that's injury prone i don't think there's any doubt about that so it i'm actually really really curious where hall ends up going on saturday morning when we do our draft i am too because that's a guy that i think make it forgotten about yeah um but we'll be i don't know we'll see on saturday yeah (laughs) Yeah, it'll be, it'll be, I'm so excited to like break that down. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun looking at some of the, the off picks and and guys who fall and things like that. Yeah. We had a, uh, I told the, 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 the GMs yesterday that we were planning to try and squeeze three shows out of that draft. Yep. 
I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to do it. Easy. Easy. I think I think once we have it all in front of us, it'll be it'll be a lot easier to just a be like, lot okay. of material. Yeah, yeah, we have tons to break down here. So anyway, this is like a side conversation yeah. that we're now just having live well, on air. So, well, I mean, it's relevant to, to Taylor Hall and it is this, this guy, I suspect, will not make it very deep into the draft. I'm assuming your number one is my number two in Kucherov. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I have no argument with him at one. 128-point season MVP silliness. Mm-hmm. Just the dude was an absolute beast in every imaginable way this year. Well, and overshadows the fact that he has had back-to-back 100-point seasons. Right, that too. Uh, and that, you know, three years now, he had an 85-point season, and then he goes 100 and 128. He had an 87 assist season last year. And, and I was talking about 65 assists and like a what a thing that was. But his his 87 assists is the third highest total in the last 20 years for a right. single season. Behind only amazing. Joe Thornton, who did it in back-to-back years. He had 96 and 92 assists in back-to-back years. Monster. Kucherov would have beat it if he could grow a real beard. But Nice. I, I think the uh, the point that 87 assists is incredible, but the consistency yeah. over those three years, 40 goals, 39 goals, 41 goals. Yeah. That's that's good. <laughs> He's not Ovi putting in 50, but you're getting 40 goals out of a guy that yeah. consistently is just, you know, Tarasenko wishes he could score 40 consistently. So. Yeah, I mean, you're averaging 40 goals over the last yep. three straight years on the dot. On the dot, so yep. Good. I mean, for me, it's just that the the level is just too high. 128 points, dude. That's too high. Yeah, it's like the- Patrick Kane has a couple hundred point seasons, and uh, the 110 point season looks like child's play. 128 points is unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's. It's insane, and it, there is the context of this being one of the highest scoring years in a long, long time. But even so, the last time someone scored 128 points was the year the Avs won the Cup the first time. So, it's been a minute. It's a, it's a special point total, man. Like, it's, it's that high. Yeah. It's truly, truly insane. It, you're talking about you're putting yourself in a conversation with guys like Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky when you right. score that amount of points. I mean, even if you go all the way back to 1990, it was the yeah. 13th highest total. Yeah, it's it's just truly, truly something special to to have a season like that, and the fact that he scored 100 the season before. It's hard not to think he can't do it again. Yeah. Oh, and on a on a team that had three guys score at least ninety points. Right. Like he's it's that team isn't hasn't had any major losses. They're gonna be just fine uh up front at forward. Yeah, it's that's a team where you look at their forward core and you just say, I'm just gonna sit back and enjoy this one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's that's one where I was, it was like, all right. So the way I have approached every one of these lists is that there was one clear-cut guy at the top of every list for me. 
Yeah, I, and this one not the, quite for me. But this was the third straight one for me where it was a it was a Tampa Bay player too. Because <laughs> in goal I had I had Vasi yeah, and then Headman and then Kucherov. Yeah. I can tell you a Tampa Bay guy will not be at the top of my center list tomorrow. I would hope not. <laughs> he. I don't know that I'll have a Tampa Bay guy in my top five tomorrow. Yeah, Stammer probably doesn't quite make the cut, does he? I don't think he's their best center. Fair. So he definitely doesn't make the cut then. <laughs> um, he's amazing though. Like he's what a career he has had. I'm I'm definitely a Stamkos fanboy. Yeah. I won't even lie. <laughs> Love watching him play. Yeah. You know he's gonna pass 400 career goals this season. Yeah, like he he's quiet about it because he had a couple of down years there and he couldn't keep up with Ovi's stupid 50 goals every year, but. He just kind of throws up a 45-goal season every couple of years, and you go, oh, right, Stamkos. Right, well, because the beginning of his career was something else, man. Yeah. Where his second year, he, he had 51, and then he puts up 45, and then he puts up 60, and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah. And <laughs> and then it was it's kind of all been a little downhill from there, where the shot, it's obvious that he's lost a little bit on it. But... Yeah, and- his injury issues is a guy he'd be a, probably a case for give you pause for Taylor Hall for sure. Yeah. The, I mean, the big difference is that this dude has a big old long list of 90 point seasons to pull right, from. Right. Even, but, even when you're like, yeah, there have been multiple seasons where he's had major injury, <laughs> but this yeah. is, that's a, that's a dude that, and, uh, gets a lot of hate for his playoff performance. Like a lot of it. And like, it's solid. I don't think it's like, it it certainly hasn't been anything special, but it's been solid, but it's not Johnny Gaudreau. (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, you're not looking at him like, Oh my God, like what's going on here? You know, the, the 18 points in 26 games, 16 points in 17 games. 13 points in 18 games. Like they've had three long runs and he's been productive in each of them. Although he hasn't been like world beating. So, Oh, he must be a bum. <laughs> well, we can't all be as good as Rantanen. <sighs> That's true. <laughs> all right. So we'll get into more of that conversation. I'm sure on tomorrow's show, when we talk about the centers, you have that to look forward to on Friday, and then Saturday morning, we're still doing something live for that draft. I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure what it will be, but there will be some kind of feed some way or another that will, I'm sure, get the information out to you when we can. So look forward to that, and that will wrap up the Thursday show for us. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you tomorrow. The Colorado Golf Association is dedicated to preserving, improving, and serving the game of golf here in Colorado. And right now they're conducting their annual Dream Golf Vacation Raffle. Ed May, Executive Director of the Colorado Golf Association, gave us some more info on what exactly you can win if you enter. We had six grand prizes this year and 40 plus other prizes. So the the big ticket items, so to speak, or the grand prizes are a trip to the BMW Championship, including VIP access, thanks to our partnership with BMW. Uh, We have trip to Streamsong. We have a trip to Bandon Dunes. We have a trip to Sand Valley. And then we have what I think might be the coolest, a chance to take uh, a 7 Series BMW down to Telluride to play in a CGA-only event. 
The raffle tickets will go on sale on our website, coloradogolf.org. Tickets are $40, and you know all the proceeds from the raffle are going to support youth development in the state of Colorado. So you're making a great donation to a great cause, but you're also having a chance to uh, really have a fantastic dream golf vacation. For a chance to win, be sure to go to coloradogolfassociation.org.